Welcome, adventurers. Hesed Moss, co-owner of Moss Trading Co., has had a very strange day, which has ended with a stranger in her barn. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon Strange, not necessarily. Suspicious. Well, sleeping in a barn that was not yours uninvited wasn't exactly forthright. The gnome's lips had shut not long after the baring of his teeth. He had dropped his hands as well. Sitting quietly against the wall, blanket draped over his knees, he awaited her next move. Taken aback by the unexpected guest, Hesed was not quite sure what to do. The pitchfork dropped a little in her uncertainty. Well then, what do you have to say for yourself? Hesed finally asked. The gnome did not respond. Instead, his shoulders slumped some, and his chin dipped, eyes falling away from hers. Hesed's lips drew into a thin line of disapproval at the lack of response. Truly, she started again. Nothing? You're found trespassing, and you have no words. The gnome looked away still, unspeaking. Hesed humphed in frustration. All right. If you've nothing to say, I will call for my father. The gnome was still unconcerned. He is a fair man, but seeing how you have no explanation for your trespass, and given the day's odd events, I assume we'll be taking you to visit the town constable. The gnome shifted a bit, rolling his eyes at the mention of the constable, but it seemed he would not speak with her. Hesed's lips parted, the intent to call out stalling before the words could come out. The stranger's reluctance to utter even one word in his defense, to offer any explanation true or false to barter or beg to be let go, tugged at something in Hesed. Something in the gnome's apathy spoke to her of a deep hurt. Again, she made the call out, but instead she found herself saying, There are people come to town just this day. They are searching for a strange vagabond who is new to Perkshire. Before Hesed could say these people seemed rather unpleasant, the gnome's head snapped up a wild, animalistic look in his eyes. He made to stand. Hesed leveled the pitchfork again. Attempting to rise, the gnome placed his hands on the stall wall, legs unfolding. But as soon as he reached his feet, the gnome wobbled and reeled, crashing into the wall and fell back to the hay. On hands and knees, the gnome retched, emptying the contents of his stomach. It reeked of bile. Bile and alcohol. Drunk, Hesed thought. Dead drunk. The gnome lifted his head again to Hesed, eyes wild with fear, hand reaching out in a pleading gesture. Us, came her father's call from the back door. What's taking so long? Do you need help? The gnome froze, bloodshot eyes pleading for mercy. Hesed realized that her teeth were clenched almost as hard as her grip on the pitchfork. A bead of nervous sweat ran down one cheek. Hesed let out a long exhale in an attempt to relax. One beat. Two beats. Hesed? She turned her head. Everything is fine, Papa. Thivius has a loose shoe. But I almost have it fixed. I won't be but a moment. There was a pause. You're sure you don't need any help? Papa, 
I've been shooing the boy since I was fourteen. Go back in the warm. I'll be there in no time. Another awkward pause. Suit yourself, S. The front doorbell just rang. I'll see you in the kitchen when you are done. S had turned back to look at the man. He had rolled back into a sitting position, head clasped in both his hands. She whispered in angry tones. Look, I've done you a large favor, for no other reason that I don't like the look of them people come to town. Given your reaction, you don't like them either. But I have no idea who you are or what you've done. If I'm not back in the store in the next few bars, Papa's going to come out whether I say so or not. So this is it. Convince me I shouldn't give you up. There was a panic in the gnome's eyes. She could tell he was running things over in his head. And then his shoulders slouched in resignation. Go ahead, Hesed prodded. Time's a-wasting. Speak up. The blood drained out of the stranger's face, and he looked back up to her, a haunted look in his eyes. He bared his teeth again, and then opened his mouth. Hesed gasped, placing a hand on her chest. Where the poor gnome's tongue should have been, there was but a stump. He shut his mouth. Those people, the ones looking for you, did this? Hesed asked in repulsion. A small nod followed. Her stomach sank. She looked upon his downturned head. Promise you will not harm my horses, nor take anything here, and you can spend the night. The gnome looked up. A stronger nod this time. You can't stay down here, though. It's Papa's turn to ready the horses tomorrow. I'm going inside before he gets any more worried. You, she said, waving the pitchfork at his pile of sick. Clean this up and make your way into the loft. A point to a ladder near the north end of the barn. Can you make it up without falling? Another solid nod. Hesed looked dubious, but nodded in reply. Good. A random gnome with a cracked skull on the barn floor first thing in the morning would be hard to explain. Back inside, Hesed flustered, finding the knock at the front door had turned out to be Willibin Dunn, whom her father had invited to dinner. Hesed found it hard to focus on either dinner or Willibin, her mind worrying at the problem of the visitor in the barn. At her father's urging, she recounted the day's events one more time. Her distracted state vanished, however, as her father, most unexpectedly, said the riders had also visited the store. Hesed's eyes shot up to his. What did they say? The words leaped from her lips. Much the same as you said, her father had replied. They are looking for someone. A gnome? Hesed's stomach churned at the interjection of this new detail. They were rather vague as to the why, but my impression is much the same as yours, daughter. They don't seem the type to test. And what did you tell them? Her father looked at her. There was nothing to tell them. Why? But if you knew, if you had seen this gnome, would you have given him up? Turned him over to these unpleasant individuals? Her father's face drew into a frown, staring in concern. I never said him, yes. Or her, or they. It's just a question. She scrambled to cover. What authority do they have? Her father's frown remained. Willibin shifted uncomfortably in his chair. After a prolonged stare, her father responded, I know nothing of their authority, but I also know nothing of the character of the one they search for. 
For all I know, he, a pause for a meaningful look, could be as bad or worse than we assume those looking for him to be. In the end, it is not my judgment to make. If I knew anything of the whereabouts of this gnome, I would bring the information to Constable Eckert. It is his duty to have the best interest of Perkshire in mind, to make sure what's right is seen to. No one spoke for a bit. No one ate. Her father's attention remained focused on her. She cast her eyes down to the plate. Willibin looked just as uncomfortable as her, if not more. But for a change, she did not care about Willibin. Yes, if you know anything, her father started. She cut him off. Papa, I'm not feeling well. I guess the day's events have taken a greater toll on me than I thought. Hesed stood. If you will excuse me, I think I must turn in early. Both her father and Willibin stood as well. She made her apologies to Willibin and then left the small kitchen. She could feel their eyes upon her back. She hated keeping things from her father, but he hadn't seen the fear in the gnome's eyes, seen the gruesome maiming. She could not give the stranger up until she knew more. Sleep was slow in its arrival, and when it did come, it was fitful and filled with trying dreams. There was a bumping, muddled at first, and then a sound, a voice. Not a bumping, but a knocking, a knocking at her door. Hesed dragged herself from sleep, sitting upright. Acid, it is well past time to wake. I have let you sleep in. Are you there, Hess? Here, Papa, she said in a sleepy voice. I'm going to load the cart. Breakfast is on the stove, he replied after a pause. Hesed, dressed in a haze, made her way down and ate breakfast. Her father returned from outside, and after giving a prolonged look of concern, brought her in for a long hug. He asked if she was sure she was all right, sure there was nothing she needed to tell him. She responded she was fine, and thank you for his concern, but please don't worry. He released her from the hug, holding her at arm's length, looking into her eyes. She sent him off with a, Papa, I'm fine. It's well past time for you to be off with the deliveries, and I need to open the store. Reluctantly, she was released and he did not leave until telling her exactly what route he was taking and letting her know she could come and get him if she needed anything. Hesed waited until she heard the cart clatter away, then ran to the street and peeked her head out to make sure her father was on his way. Running back into the store, she did not open it, but gathered some things, then back to the barn. It was dead quiet. She poked her head into all the stalls. Nothing. She climbed the ladder to the loft. It was dim, but she could see no motion, hear no sound. Hello, she called softly. No response. Hesed crawled into the loft and searched. She found nothing. Climbing down, her feelings were conflicted. Maybe it was all the better the gnome had gone, but she feared for his safety. She let out a sigh as she reached the floor and then a scream as the door to the green room inched open. The gnome came quickly forth, an irritated look on his face, waving his hands in a motion that conveyed both it's me and good gods be quiet all in the same frantic motion. 
Putting one hand to her forehead and the other to her stomach, Hesed blew out her breath, cleansing the fright. She walked two paces to the barrel where she had set a slate and chalk, a small bundle filled with some biscuits, and a flask filled with water. She gathered it all and returned, shoving the slate into the gnome's hands. I have questions, she said, and you owe me some answers. The gnome gave a shrug and a tilted nod of the head. That may have been acquiescence or indifference. Hesed drew up a crate and sat. First off, why in the hells are you in the storeroom, not the loft? Chalk hit the slate. The slate was flipped. On it, in a sloppy scrawled hand, was written. Man searched barn this morning. Dad had to hide. Cinder mind your mischief, she thought. Yesterday she was a store owner. Today she felt as if she was in a game of Captain Soldier Spy. Do you have a name? Scratching on the slate. Snare. Hesed screwed up her face. Snare? Like the rabbit trap? Eyes squinting, lips forming a line. Snare nodded. All right. A pause. You seem to be in some trouble, Snare. And the people looking for you seem... dangerous. Snare did not respond immediately, but then gave a curt nod. We're going to need a why. The pause was much longer this time. But then the gnome wrote, Stole from the wrong person, his eyes downcast. You stole from someone and they cut your tongue out? She asked in dismay. Another abbreviated nod. And that was not punishment enough. That did not pay for what you took. Snare looked back, but made no reply. Hesed hesitated, but then asked, Who... Who did this to you? The scratching on the slate was slow, and then he turned it to face her. Baron. Hesed's eyes went wide, her body flushing cold as if she had been plunged into snowmelt. There were surely many barons throughout the Barata province, but in this part of the Gimlin woods, Baron brought only one thing to mind. Mummer's fair? She whispered in horror as if a four days' ride away, the baron might hear her still. Snare looked away and nodded. Hesed, in a dream-like daze, passed the biscuits and water to the gnome. She needed time to think. Snare hungrily attacked the food, tilting his head back like a bird every time he swallowed. He drank some of the water and waited. The baron of the mummer's fair. Roselia, have mercy. Her father had taught her of the many monsters in the world, but on the few rare occasions when he spoke of the Baron, he had told her the Baron was the most monstrous of all creatures, someone who finds value in crushing the spirits of others, one who has built their wealth, power, and reputation on the backs of those he has oppressed and broken, was no person. Orion protect her. What should she do? Tell me. She found herself saying, Tell me what happened. It seemed for a time that Snare would not. His body tensed. But then a tear ran down his cheek. His posture softened. And he began to write. Three quarters of a bell later, Hesed sat in silence, face stained with tears, the last of seven slates worth of writing held in her hands. Snare was withdrawn, the writing of the tale had drained the gnome. 
At last, Hesed ran the back of her sleeves across her cheeks. I have to open the store, she said standing, and then, looking on Snare's bowed head, I am not fit to judge you for the things you have done, nor the things that have been done to you. Ten beats passed. I don't know if anyone in this town is fit for such a task. Her hand reached out, shaking. She wanted to place it on his head, to offer even the slightest comfort. But she lost her nerve and clenched her shaking hand into a fist, drawing it back into her chest. I am certain of one thing. I am certain I could not live with myself if I stood by while you were returned to the Baron's cruelty. Snare's tired face looked up in surprise. I will return at the dividing bell with some more food and maybe a basin of wash water. I will try to gather what information I can about those looking for you between now and then. She pursed her lips and then continued. And then we will discuss how to best get you away from Perkshire. Will Hesed be able to help Snare elude the Baron's hirelings? Stay tuned next week. And if you wish to hear the tale that Snare wrote down on the slate, make sure to listen to The Fox and the Rabbit, Episodes 21 to 23. Farewell, adventurers, and see you next week for the conclusion of The Influence of Virtue.